Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. with God and we have to tell him God we want to fan it into flame tonight Lord teach us how show us how because God we want this year to be different God we want to see everyone in this church be used with their full potential that every time they walk in their fire is burning so bright they're a whole new person church this is what it's all about we're not just not just meeting in a place here tonight there's a divine appointment for you here tonight with the living God and he's using us to remind you tonight to speak again to live again to breathe again inside of your heart to let the God inside of you come out you have a divine opportunity, a divine moment every single day you're alive to share His Word. When you wake up and you see that flicker inside of you, God's saying, fan it, fan it. Speak to me, speak to me. I'm going to show you how today, how you can fan that flame. Say, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live every day the same. I want every day to be an opportunity, a moment where I can meet someone and say, guess what? I've got life for you. Guess what? There's someone who can bring you life and joy and peace and restoration and forgiveness. So before we receive the word tonight, oh, sorry, I had to get that off. <laughs> oh. Before we hear the word from Mama tonight, why don't we just lift our hands one more time? 
And I want you to think of that little flicker inside of you. I want you to actually see it. And I want you to see the big Word of God coming in your life tonight and it flaming into fire again. And this time the coal will keep on burning and the flame will keep on burning. So come to church, we to welcome Pastor Julia. She receives and gives us the word tonight. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. It's <laughs> awesome. Can I just have that little thing? <clears throat> wow. That's my daughter there. I just thought I'd tell you that. It's beautiful. It's a gift of God, isn't it? You may be seated. I want you to just stay in that place. Just turn those bodies down a bit, yeah. It's beautiful. Hi. I just want to take you on a little journey, so just close your eyes with me for a minute and we're going inside a jail cell in our imagination. In, the, in this jail cell, there's a man that's sitting there. He's been beaten, whipped, he's locked up, he's filthy. There's a man here that was letting go of his life. He's contemplating the letting go of his life. He's contemplating the race that he's won. He's contemplating the work that he's done. He's contemplating. He sits in a jail cell which resembles more of a dungeon than a cell. It's poorly lit, it's cold and damp. He was chained to the wall and waiting. He was waiting to die. His execution was imminent and he was lonely. And his thoughts began to wander. They centered on his close friend. His friend who had actually been more like a son to him really. And they'd shared many experiences, both good and bad, together. The last image he had of his friend was of him weeping. His friend had been so saddened by his departure. He didn't want him to leave. Now as he sits in the cell, he too longs to see his friend just once more. He sits down and decides to write his friend a letter. It will be a letter in which he would pour out his heart to his friend, telling how much he loved him encouraging him, building him up and informing that him that he is now in charge of the work that they had shared together. It's time for his friend to take over and the work must not fail. The man writing the letter is the Apostle Paul and his friend is Timothy. You can open your eyes. To Timothy is in a dynamic letter. It's an incredible letter. It's so authentic and so genuine, this letter that Paul writes to Timothy. He'd, he'd just recently been arrested in Rome under the orders of the Emperor Nero. During Nero's reign as Emperor of Rome, he took great delight in the persecution and killing of Christians. Nero would be responsible for the deaths of both the Apostle Paul and for Peter. This letter is written shortly before Paul's death. So often we hear of people saying, that they never got the chance to tell their loved one everything they wanted to tell them and how they cared about them. 
before that person died. And Paul wants to tell Timothy everything that's on his heart while he still has a chance. This is a man, he's about to die, he knows he's gonna die. And he wants to impart everything that he has, all the wisdom that he has, everything that he has, his parting words. This is his last will and testament to Timothy. This is a letter of a spiritual father to a spiritual son. This is his last words to his son. Let's just read it in 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. You know, they say that when you get to about my age, I'm not telling you what that is right now, but you you get to my age, you start to consider your mortality. You start to consider, you know, what have I done with my life? Um, What more can I do with my life? How much time have I got left? How long will this body keep going? What am I leaving behind? And I think that Paul in this place, in this jail, jail cell, he's not even just considering his mortality, he's actually facing it. And he knows that this is it. He's been imprisoned, he's been beaten, he's been bitten by snakes, he's, he's, <laughs> he's been shipwrecked. He, he's gone through the worst that you can imagine a person could possibly go through. And at each time, he had confidence to know that he could get up again and the work would continue. But now he has this sense in his spirit that the work it's finished for me, that my race is over and I need to pass this on. And the most important thing to him, to Paul, at this point in his life, the most important thing to him isn't that his name is remembered. He isn't thinking to himself, I hope they write a book about me one day and they all remember me. It wasn't that he would have the biggest church or the biggest chain of churches, that he would be famous in the earth. That wasn't his greatest desire. As he's facing death, as he's paid this incredible price to establish the church of Jesus Christ, the beginnings of the church, he was the father of the beginnings of the church. He's paid this price. And the most important thing on his heart right now is this. Fan into flame, Timothy, the gift of God that is within you. The most important thing to him is that the work continues. The most important thing to him is that all he's put into Timothy, that Timothy doesn't take it for granted, that Timothy doesn't squander it, that Timothy doesn't let it go, but Timothy would continue in the work that he had been given. In fact, that he would be greater 
than Paul, that he would do more than he had ever done. His greatest thought, his last thought, his last will and testament is that my son would be greater than me. That they would not remember my name, but they would hear the name of my son. And my son would go out and my son would do the work of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God would continue on the earth. And we know from reading scriptures that Timothy did exactly that. Timothy did exactly that. You know, he says that Timothy, Timothy was um, a very shy guy. He was timid and he was shy. But somehow through Paul's encouragement, exhortation, he, he overcame his natural weaknesses. He overcame his natural self. He overcame his natural tendencies. He overcame his natural weaknesses. He overcame his sin. He overcame his struggles. He overcame everything that was coming against him as a young man, as a young believer. And he looked into the eyes of his spiritual father and he said, yes, I will. Yes, I will. And become one of the greatest men of God in the Bible that we read about, apart from Paul. This is, a, this, this is an incredible, you know, we read this, we go, oh, fan into the flame. And God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of love and power and sound mind. We just read those scriptures all the time, but we don't get the depth of what they actually mean and what they're saying if we don't see the picture. This is a desperate time and a desperate heart in this guy to pass something on. You know, I had um, Belinda up here this morning and, and Nathan. And we shared this morning how these guys, 17 years ago, were the very first converts that we had, apart from Lynn Phillips, who went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. You know, and, and we open, we, we go, we're praying over the church building. We're going to open the next morning. We're scared. We're, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know if anyone's going to turn up. And, and it's night time and about 10 o'clock at night and we're praying over every chair, you know, where everyone's going to sit. We're praying over the doors. And I look and there's this little girl like just up against the glass, you know, with a singlet and undies. It's July, it's freezing. She had no shoes on. And she's just looking through the glass. She had a dog with her. And I went out, I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I just want to know what you guys are doing. Like, what are you doing? And we said, well, we're, this is a church. We're starting a church here tomorrow. She said, oh, cool, you know. You got any food? Do you, do you serve food there? I said, we definitely do tomorrow. And she said, oh, how much does it cost? This is free for you. She said, I'll come, I'm coming. And I took her home and, you know, her dad was a um, pretty bad alcoholic. Her mother had died of alcoholism. Her dad, she'd put her dad to bed at eight years of age. She'd put her dad to bed and went, she, when she couldn't sleep, she just walked the streets. And I took her home and I put her into bed. And from that day on, we cared for her and looked after her. And I shared this morning that her and Nathan, another son who's been here since the beginning, the seed and the, the, the fruit of that, the, the seed that we sowed 17 years ago, now I'm looking at multi-generational blessing. They're both married, they both have children. They both still love God. They're attending church. I mean, it's so beautiful to see the fruit of your life, to live long enough in a ministry, to stay long enough in a ministry, to see the fruit of your life, and then to see the generations of people coming through, let alone your own kids. It's, it's so amazing. And when Paul was encouraging Timothy to fan this into flame, to keep going, 
and, and helping him to strengthen himself, one of the first things he talked about was drawing on his spiritual heritage. You know, we've all got heritage, some good, some not so good, hey? <laughs> you know, when you go to the doctors, they tell you, you know, anyone in your family got cancer? Anyone in your family? I just feel like saying, no, 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 by the blood of Jesus, <laughs> nobody has nothing because I'm a new creation in Christ and my heritage is my father's Abraham and yeah, no one's got cancer in my family. Thank you. Um, but you know that that's, that's heritage and we get that from our folks and our grandparents and all that kind of stuff. It's passed down. We also get spiritual things that are passed down. As Christians, we also have a spiritual heritage. You know, our spiritual heritage consists of people maybe that introduced us first to Christ. Maybe the, the church that we first, I mean, I, I look around this room and I just see so many people in this room would say, my spiritual heritage is this very place, that this is the place where I gave my heart to Jesus. I know Luke, you could say that, and Candace and my own kids, you know, many, many people would say, this is the place, this is my spiritual heritage, this place. And they can draw from that any time. Who introduced you to the Lord? Who, was the, who were the people that spoke into your life? Who are the people that speak into your life now? Uh, is it a pastor? Is it a friend? Is it a leader? Is it, you know, someone within this church, within this house, is it someone that's close to you that still speaks into your life and still says, come on, you know, draw on that spiritual heritage. Paul gives us a glimpse of this with Timothy. He says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith in verse one to five. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. There's something so beautiful about drawing from a spiritual inheritance. Like stand up, um, Rachel. Like when Rachel, just turn around and smile at everybody. Beautiful. When Rachel first came to this house, I thought, there's something about this kid. There's something about her that's just so special. I never knew what it was. She's been here for ages and we've never talked deep enough that I knew what is this thing that she's just got this, I don't know, like godliness about her. And then finally she told me, oh yeah, my grandmother, you know, she's a Pentecostal crazy woman. She prays all the time. You know, she's up all night praying for me. She's always saying, I'm praying for you, Rachel, you know. And, um, you know, it was just like a revivalist. And, and I thought, of course she is because I can see that in you. And it's an incredible thing when we connect ourselves to that spiritual inheritance, whether it be in the natural or whether it be in the spiritual, when we connect ourselves to that spiritual inheritance, how you know it was in your grandmother, it was in your mother, and he says, and now it's evident, I see it in you. And so Paul sees something in this young man that's been cooking for a while where he's, he's got this spiritual inheritance and Paul wants to draw it out of him and Paul gets alongside of him now and he says to him, you're my son. He actually calls him son in, um, that's where he lives in you. I've got it here. In verse two, he says, my dear son, my dear son, he calls him son too. And he reminds him that he has spiritual inheritance, not just through his family line, but he has spiritual inheritance through his father. It's an incredible thing where we've been given something um, 
from someone who is spiritual and to actually take that like a treasure, you know, to take it like, like Amanda. Is Amanda here? Yes, stand up, Amanda. Amanda's five months in the Lord. Turn around and smile at everybody. Five months. And, you know, some people get born again and some people just say a prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? And like Amanda get born again. And she, she's just going, you know what? I've been receiving from a lot of things in my life. And she shared last week that New Year's Eve, she had to say to all her friends, sorry, I found a new way to live. And if you don't like it and you don't want me to do that and you want me to do the things that I used to do with you guys, well, I have to cut ties. She deleted them off Facebook, cut ties. She says, I don't even know what friends I've got. The only friends I've got now are here in this church and I'm just going to surround myself with good friends. See, she saw a spiritual inheritance. She saw something that she says, I want this. And she started to place a demand on it. Every week she comes here. She doesn't miss a service, this girl, since she got saved. And she's always there in the second row, hungry, saying, feed me, feed me. Taking the words that we say, she's trying to read stuff. She's trying to download stuff. She's asking questions. I know that there's girls within the youth group that she goes to, like Mel and I think Jess has spoken into her life and different ones and Rachel. She goes to them and says, teach me, feed me. I want to be, I want what you have. Now, Cassie's another one. Cassie, stand up, smile, everybody. There's Cassie. I mean, Cassie, if I said to her, Cassie, will you wash my feet? She'd get straight down and wash my feet. And not that I would ever ask her to do that, but I know her heart is that she would do that because she so much wants the spiritual inheritance to flow down to her. She comes from an unsaved family. She's still praying for them to be saved. Gorgeous family, awesome people, and they're going to be in the kingdom one day. But she knows that she's got to draw from something different than what was naturally given to her. She has to draw from a spiritual inheritance. And she's got to fan that into flame. She's got to, she's got to first of all, acknowledge that she has a spiritual inheritance. And she's got to place a demand on it. And then she's got to follow and pursue and copy that behavior, that, that lifestyle. You know, she looks at me and she goes, like, Pastor Julie, I want to be like you one day. And I just go, Cass, you just, like, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm nothing. All I do is I just wait at the feet of Jesus, live for him with everything i got, keep fanning this flame inside of me into life and go to spiritual people that are above me. I know that if I was having a hard time, if I was, like, in a place where I wasn't, I was struggling, I know that Chris and Phil Pringle would get come to me, they would ring me, they would find out about it, and they would say, Julie, get up. Get up, Julie. You can finish this race. You've got to finish this race. And I, I know that I can't have one-on-one conversations with them all the time, but I consider them my spiritual parents. I look what's on Facebook. I read stuff that they write. I, I, you know, I download things from them. I try and hear them speak whenever I can and sit under their anointing. I try and get their hands laid on me as often as I can because I want what's on their lives and I want a spiritual inheritance. There's too many illegitimate Christians. There's too many Christians that are wandering around illegitimate, not having parents, not having an inheritance or not recognizing it, not honoring it and therefore just doing their own thing and just going round and round and round in circles. But see, Paul has this thing in his heart for this boy because he knows that this boy has placed a demand, not only on his natural inheritance, but on his spiritual inheritance. 
and he's shy and he's young and he's silly probably, but Paul sees something so precious in him and he calls it forth in Jesus' name. So he says to him, lean on your spiritual inheritance to fan into flame what's inside of you. You've got to draw on spiritual inheritance. And there's never an age, Darcy, where it's too late to draw on that. You know what I mean? I know that you... You come into this church, Darcy, I know that you honour the gift that's on Phil and my, on my life. And, and it doesn't matter that we're maybe less experienced than the people, you know, Phil and Chris, where you've come from their church. Maybe less experienced, not as wise. We probably don't preach as well or anything. But you walked in and you put, you honoured the gift. And because you honour the gift, every week you walk away from here, Darcy, filled. Because you submitted yourself under it and you're receiving a spiritual inheritance by the grace that God gives us and we give to you. This morning I sat under my spiritual son. Stand up, God. Smile at everybody with your nice blue shirt. He's one of my spiritual sons. He's my son-in-law because he just wanted to be closer to me. He'd just do anything to be closer to me. But but he's my spiritual son. And this morning, because I honor the gift so much, because he has submitted himself and, and, and been around Phil and I since the day that he was born again, when he was just a young lad of 16, he's just, he's just stuck it out. There's probably been times where he thought we were idiots because all teenagers go through that in their spiritual life. There's probably times where he thought that we weren't doing it the right way and he could have done it better because all teenagers want to drive a car sometimes. There's probably times where he thought, maybe there's something bigger for me out there. But he said, no, I'm faithful to what God has placed me. I'm faithful to the spiritual inheritance that's on these lives and I'm drawing from that. And this morning, I got the honour of sitting under the anointing of my spiritual son and being totally blessed, really blessed, Garth, by the word of God that you brought. So proud of you. So proud of the man you are and what you're becoming. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing to have family in the church, to have mums and dads and sons and daughters and aunties and uncles. And you know, there's not just one mum and dad in this house, like Pastor Phil and I are the mother and father over this house that God has appointed, but there's many mums and dads here. There's many mums and dads here. I look at Marjorie and um, uh, Rob. Can you stand up, you guys? This, like, these are spiritual parents in our house. They might not get up here and preach. They may not, you know, look like, you know, they've been to Bible college. But you go to these people's home and you will feel like you're at mum and dad's house. When you're in trouble, they would pray for you. When you're crying, they will cry with you. See? And, and when people submit themselves under love like that, under care like that, they grow so much. So fan it into flame by recognizing the spiritual lives that are around your lives that are going to impart to you. You know, Rachel is a spiritual mother in youth. And yet, she's gotten so much of what she is and who she is from Jamie and from women over her and then she gets stuff from me as well and then Jamie gets from me and, and she gets from Jamie and then she imparts it to Taryn and it's a spiritual lineage that's going right down which you see what happens if one of those links goes to sleep 
What about if one of those links in that generational line decides that they're just going to have a play around with sin for a while? That they're going to take for granted what's being given to them? That they're just going to have a rest? That they just will just come out of the race for a while and just... Then what happens to the one that's next in line? What happens to the one that's supposed to have the impartation from the one who's had the impartation to give it away? You know, then we see illegitimate young Christians everywhere because the mums and dads of the next generation, the aunties and the uncles, the brothers and sisters have not arisen to take their place to fan into flame the spiritual inheritance that's in their lives. And this is what Paul was saying to Timothy. This is number one, recognize your spiritual inheritance, honor it. Recognize the spiritual inheritance, not that you just have got, but what you give away. Recognize who you give it to, pray for them, love them like a father, like a mother loves a child. Care for them, stay awake at night over them. Like babies, look after them because God has given us this beautiful order of love. His kingdom is family. It's not a kingdom of rules and leaders and hierarchy. And it's family. It's family. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's family. And we've got to give that away. That family heart, give it away. You know, I, I look at Phil and Fleur, you know, all the years they've been in this church, I remember when they first came into this church. How many years ago is it? 14 years ago. And they'd come from a Baptist church. And the Baptist church was a little quieter. And they just came to have a look and we were in the high school. In those days, we were in full swing revival. It was loud, it was messy, it was crazy. They used to call us the church that climbed the walls and we probably did. We even walked on the ceilings, I think, sometimes. When they walked into that, these little Baptists, but they wanted, they were searching for something. They were searching for something they, they, they didn't have. And I remember, you know, the first thing that Phil did was pull out his earplugs and put them in. And the only way I'm going to handle this church is put my earplugs in and stay there. Now he still wears earplugs. But 14 years later, this couple have been spiritual parents to that many people. I mean, really, the way they've sown into lives and continue to sow into lives. You know, they're heroes. They're, they're unsung heroes that no one ever hears about because they do everything in quiet. That's why Paul's saying when he's about to die, I don't want my name in lights. I just want the unsung heroes to arise. I want the kingdom to be built. I want the church to continue. I want the family to grow. And I want it to be done right. I just want it to be done the way God intended. This is what he's saying. The second thing he says is that you have to develop the God-given gift. In order for Tim Timothy to fan into flame his gift for ministry, he must draw on his spiritual heritage, but he also must develop the gift. Paul encourages him to develop his gift in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The word Spanish flame here means stir up, rekindle. You could even say awaken. Awaken the gift of God. The gift that God has given Timothy, it's like a fire. He's saying fan it into flame, the gift of God that's inside of you. It's like a fire. And you know, we can have this gift of God and it can just be like, just like a small little flame. You know when, when there's a small flame on a campfire? Some of you have been away on holidays. I'm about to go tomorrow, praise Jesus. And, and when it's a small little flame like that, and I've, Phil doesn't like lighting fires, campfires, but personally, I love it, but I'm not really good at it. And he just sits in the caravan while I'm out there and I've used two boxes of fire starters and he laughs at me. He just laughs. He said, you're so funny. But he could just start the fire just like that, but he just thinks it's hilarious just watching me use two boxes of fire starters, nearly kill myself with the fumes. And I get this tiny little fire going, yes, I've got a campfire. And he goes, you know, it just, and I see everybody else's campfires, they're blazing away. I just think, what is this trick? It's probably fanning it into flame. I was thinking about it on the way to church. There must be something about fanning it into flame. I've got, next time I've got to get first fan just do this, see if it works, <laughs> see if it works. But what he's saying to Timothy, to develop this gift, to fan in a flame, you know, I just don't want this gift of God inside of you to just be like a tiny little flame. You know, he was more or less saying, you know when you go and you're driving along the road and you see those big signs, you know, fire danger today, and it's sort of like, there's, I think there's green if it's low and it's got the arrow, and it goes up, you know, and you're getting into or yellows, oranges, and then it gets into red, and it says, high fire danger. You see, Paul wanted Timothy not to live in green. Oh, there might be a fire this year in 2014. Or even in yellow. Oh, it's sort of hot, because the Bible says God wants you either to be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he spits you out of his mouth. So we don't want to be spun out of God's mouth. It's not nice. But Paul's saying to him, I want you to be red hot. He's saying, I want it to be, I want this gift inside of you, not just to be like, oh, it's just then, I've been given a gift and I use it sometimes. And, but to be so red hot, so passionate, so on fire with God that it's like, I think in Jeremiah 20, I think it is verse 9, it says, it's like, Jeremiah says, it's like the word of God is like fire shut up in my bones. And if they tell me not to speak it, I can't help it. I just got to let it out. Because it's just like this passionate fire shut up in, is that what it says? Yeah, I'm weary of holding it in. If they tell me to, I cannot. It's like fire shut up in my bones. And, and Paul's saying to him, don't just, don't just have this fire, don't just have this gift, but rekindle it stir it up, awaken it, and use it. And, I, and it's what, that's why I was laughing at Jamie. Like she, she doesn't know my sermon, by the way. Doesn't know what I'm going to preach. And she basically preached the whole sermon in prophecy. I love that. You know, what? Oh, Jamie, you went and nicked my sermon. You know, you know, it's like, go. I'm just on the front row going, I don't care if I don't preach tonight. Jamie's just preached. It's been awesome. We all got filled. We all got the message. Let's just go home. You know, because... Because why? Because I'm looking at my daughter, my natural daughter and my spiritual daughter, 
doing better than I could do. I was thinking, she is doing this so well. It's going strange to the hearts of people. I'm as well, this is great. Mm. I'm just loving this. I love seeing this. Because why? Because Jamie, I know, will not get on this stage and worship lead unless she's been with God. I know that every song that she chooses, she prays over, waits upon God, wrestles over, gets prophetic unctions about, hears God on, and that's just the way she lives. So she's got that gift, and she doesn't just let it sit there. She fans it into flame. That's why when she stands up and she opens her mouth, we all go, oh, heaven's open. We're in. Like, we don't have to sing six songs and jump around the church and, you know, do all kinds of fancy things to get you into the presence of God. Jamie opens her mouth and you're in. Why? Because Jamie lives red hot. She lives in that place. I know she does. And she doesn't just live in that place because she married Garth. She has lived in that place since she was a little girl. You know, I've watched, I've watched these guys grow up. When Luke was young, a young man... And we were in that tent over there. And, you know, he, he, used, he would get up to preach and the whole place would just weep. Because he, and he still does that. He still does it. He has such a connection with the heart of Jesus Christ, such an intimacy. The fire inside of his gift is so hot because he's just so in touch with Jesus that he opens his mouth. And I just want to sit there all day and listen to his words like honey pour over my soul. And when I finish listening to Luke, all I want to do is go and be at Jesus' feet and love him like Luke does. Because it's hot, it's on fire, it's alive. Amen? You know, maybe some of you just sort of laid the gift down and just gone, you know, I think of you, John, I just think, oh, you know, I prayed about you a bit this week, John, and, and last week, I just, what is it, God? What is it about this man? You know, I just, I just ponder sometimes over people, and I just feel like God's saying restoration. I feel like God's going to do a full restoration job on you. It, and I keep saying it's not over, and, and that doesn't mean you have to get back into ministry mode, work mode. 24 hours a day, live where you used to live. It's going to be different. This is different. This is like a restful thing. This is like an anointing that is welling up on the inside of you that's just an anointing of impartation of wisdom to another generation. How much wisdom have you got, John? I mean, you've pastored churches, you've preached sermons, you've mentored people. How much wisdom is locked up inside that, 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 that soul? That, that gift of God. You know, fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. I don't know what's going to come out, what it's going to look like, what this season will look like for you, but I do know this. This, this, this nation needs spiritual fathers, John. There's a lot of young guys, even your own son, who are just like biting at the bit to do stuff. And just don't tell them all the gruesome stories. Just enough to keep them on their toes. Tell them the good ones. Encourage them, like Paul encouraged Timothy. Spirit of encouragement. <clears throat> you know, in Corinthians it says, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, the Bible tells us, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. 
You know, all of us have gifts. All of us have gifts. All of us have something that we can impart, that we can fan into flame, that we can stir up. This is my question tonight. Are you developing your gift? Have you even recognised your gift and what it is? This year, Doug, write songs. Start, pick up a pen, Doug, write. There are so many songs inside of you that are busting to get out. And, and if you procrastinate, because you, you know, Paul said to Timothy, you know, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of love and of power and of sound mind. And, you know, so Timothy was a procrastinator. He was a timid guy. He was a procrastinator. Just because that's your personality doesn't mean you have to live with that. You look at Pastor Phil. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a big secret right now. Introvert. At home, I can't get him to talk. I can't get him to come out of his man cave. I can't get him to communicate in any other way except in tongues. He gets home, he locks himself away with God, and there he lives. Total introvert. I say, come on, let's go to the movies. Oh, I'd rather just sit on my back porch and pray. Let's go out to dinner. Let's go, like, oh, there's too many people there. I don't really have to go. There's a lot of people. Like, he's, hate, well, he hates crowds. He hates, his greatest fear was public speaking. Now, when we're out, I have to say to him, shut up and let me speak. And I, I'm the extrovert. And I have to say, okay, zip it now. It's my turn. Like, give me some glory here. Give me some limelight. Come on. Because why? Because like Timothy, he heard the Spirit of God say to him, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. And each one of us can be anything we want to be in God by the Spirit of God. And when he heard God say, you don't have to do this, son. You just lean on, rely on, walk in, live in the Holy Spirit, and he will do it. He says, well, I'll do it. I'll plant a church. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it. I'm shy. I'm scared. I'm insecure. I'm timid, but I'm going to do it. And you know what happens when you step out? You fan to flame that gift. You get the gift of God inside of you. You say, I don't understand this gift, but I'm going to use it anyway. I thought it was dead, but I'm going to cause it to live again. I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to tell it to rise up, and I'm going to use it. I mean, Kay, you know, just what would we do without Kay now? But when Kay walked into the church, it's like, oh, yeah, I work for compassion. What do you do in the church? Nothing. But she says, I think God's been really speaking to me that the gift that I have in the workplace I should bring into the church as well. Good idea. Now, Kay is the last one to leave every Sunday. She's there. She's talking to the visitors. She's ministering to people. When anyone's sick, she knows it. When someone's not here, she rings them. She's just got the biggest pastor's heart. And I love it. I just love that because she fanned into flame a gift. She made a decision. This gift that I use in the workplace, I get paid to do. I'm going to bring it into the church and release it to the church. It's so fantastic. Is Sarah here? Yeah, she's there at the back. She came to our church broken. You know, she, she had multiple, multiple um, postnatal depression episodes with her kids and 
You know, she really thought that she was useless, hopeless, that Cam was the ministry man and she would just be the woman at home with the five kids and she was like, and she would be the one that would all say, there's the crazy lady with the five kids, never going to do anything. Poor guy, he married her. That's what she thought. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah. And what does she do? She goes, you know, I've got five kids. There's not much I can do. But you know, I'd really love to run a connect group. And to be honest with you, he went, oh, you really think you can do that, Sarah? You've got a lot of responsibility. You're not a very well person. You're sure you can do this? She said, I really want to do it. So we gave her. We fanned it into flame. We said, use the gift and we'll support you. She has one of the most successful connect groups in our church. She has the best fruit. She ministers to women with children that have children like a mum's group. She ministers to their needs. She buys them books. She cooks them food. When they're sick, she gets people to take meals around there. She's incredible. And, and she, I've seen girls come out of their shells, come out of their little worlds being around Sarah because she just said, well, my weakness, I'm going to leave that aside and I'm going to step into the gift of God that he has on my life. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to fan into flame. I'm going to stop being a victim. I'm going to stop making excuses. And I'm going to go and do what God's calling me to do. And he will give me the strength. She waits on God. She prays to God. She, she prays and intercedes for all the girls who go to her group. And I've seen the best fruit, Sarah, in that group. Because one person said, I'm going to use this. I'm going to fan into flame. I'm going to use the gift. And the third thing is this. You've got to display the spirit of godliness. Paul said to him, these are the three things Paul said to him. Draw on spiritual inheritance. Get the gift of God happening in your life and fan into flame. And then he said, display a spirit of godliness. Timothy, and I'm saying he, he, he had a gift for ministry, but he was shy, he was insecure. He got this gift and he watched Paul's life. He watched the way Paul lived. He watched the way... Paul denied himself. He watched the way his godliness. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, if you want to do something really effective for God, you can't sin at the same time. It's just not going to work. You can't do it. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God will forgive you. Yes, God will pick you up. But you're going to stay in that cycle forever and a day unless you get yourself up and say, I choose to walk in godliness. I choose to have a spirit of godliness. For God has not given me a spirit of timidity. Another, another translation said, God has not given me a spirit of fear. And fear is bondage. And sin is bondage. And God has not given me a spirit that is in bondage any longer. He's given me divine freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ to step out of my old self, to walk away from temptation, to say no to sin, and to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And to do effective, anything effective in God, we've got to be clean, guys. You can't get it, you've just got to be clean. Just got to be clean. You just got to be godly. We have to be a representation. The Bible says that we represent Jesus to the earth. In other words, we represent Him. Jesus was here, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And by His blood, He washed away our sin, gave us victory over sin, and allowed us to walk as He walked. And now we represent Him. And when we go out and we've drawn on our spiritual inheritance, and we fan into flame the gift of God within our lives 
and we choose to walk in godliness. We don't walk in, God has given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but He's given me a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And you see the ones that go on to do great things for God and do wonderful things for God are the ones that make these choices. And it's the choices that you make in the secret places of your heart. It's the choices that you make in those places of your heart where no one's watching. It's when you say no to this and no to that, no matter what pressure is there. Young girls, doesn't matter how many times you said, you know, if you just do this for me, I will love you. That's crap. He don't love you. Because if a man loves you, he wants to keep you pure. He wants to lift you up as a princess. He wants you to be beautiful and innocent. He wants you to be the woman that he wants to marry, not the tart that he sleeps with. Young women, say no. Lift your head high and be a princess in the kingdom of God. God's doing something so beautiful in us. He's refreshing us. He's reviving us. Sharon, I believe there's a spirit of prayer that's gonna be revived in your life. You know, we're awakening. There's an awakening of prayer coming into your life. I believe God's gonna wake you up in the night hours, in the afternoons. You're gonna be in your home and I believe God's gonna just have you praying and praying and releasing that intercessory gift again in Jesus' name. The prophetic's gonna open up again. You're gonna see things and dream things. It's gonna be beautiful. So just really, I know I've gone a little over, but at the closing of this service, I really just wanna just release an impartation. I'm just wondering if, if um, Pastor Phil, if you could come first, just stand here. And I'm just gonna ask you to pray for John. John, you come out. I'm gonna ask you, Pastor Phil, to just pray over John. Jamie, if you could just come and sing in the spirit, just you and Keys will do. So it says, the last thing he says is, I ask you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the laying on of hands, the impartation of God is a powerful thing. Phil, can you come out here now? I just, I just wonder, um, Darcy, you come, and Phil's gonna pray for you and impart to you. And I wonder if Luke, just find one young man in the congregation and bring him out here and lay hands on him. Same as you guys, find one young man in the congregation, just pull them out and pray for them. We're just gonna do this quickly. Yeah, you just pray for Darcy there, that's great. Phil, if you could just stay there and pray for Cameron. Cameron, you come out now. Now, don't go away after you've been prayed for because I want to do something here. That's great. Cassie, go find a young girl that you can impart to. This is the body of Christ imparting to each other. Katrina, find yourself someone, a woman. I want you to prophesy over them, impart to them. Rachie, find someone now. Larissa, just find a young girl. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.
us We want the world to know So we'll rise in selfless faith To live like Christ for all our days